Ready to build better benefits that maximize employee wellness? Join Infirmary Health and Rx Benefits June 4th ASHRA webinar as they discuss actionable advice for developing pharmacy programs with your pharmacy resources, how to build internal and external partnerships that boost employee wellness, and what pharmacy trends could impact future benefit design for all HR leaders. Register today. To learn more about Rx Benefits, visit employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in show notes. Asher listeners, welcome to this episode of the Asher Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bo Brabo. I'm joined by my rock star dynamic co-host, Luke Kerrigan. We are in Savannah at the Asher Executive Summit live. We love the live interviews because it's so much more dynamic than sitting on the Riverside studio and it's virtual, even though we like that too. This is fantastic. We have an amazing guest with us, Clara Blitch. She's the Chief Human Resource Officer at Williamson Health, Tennessee, Nashville area. Yep. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah. So how's it going so far for you? I know this is like day one, full day education sessions. What do you think so far? I got to tell you, this has been awesome. I, I've made some connections and honestly, friends that are probably going to be stuck with me after this. Um, really great uh, opportunity to just network and get to know some folks who really understand my world, understand what I'm dealing with day to day. And honestly, that's priceless. Yeah, for sure. Well, we were chatting before we hit the record button. About a topic I don't think we've ever covered directly no. and human-centered leadership. Mm-hmm. What, does that, what does that mean to you, Claire? Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, you asked me what I was passionate about and mm-hmm. really it's about treating people as humans first. Um, you know, I am, a, I am a people person and a lot of people say that I'm a people person. You know, I went into HR because I love people. Um, but I think at the core of every job and every role in your organization is a human uh, and a human who has needs of just being cared about as a person first. So mm-hmm. you've heard the iceberg theory, right? Well, you know, you don't see 90% of what's going on with someone. You only see that 10%. Right and on. I talk all the time to my team about the fact that you don't know what my 90% is and it might change on a given day, but we have to treat each other properly and with respect and with care, um, you get so much more out of people when they trust that you care about them as a human first. So that that's something I'm really passionate about. So how do you go about developing your people to do that? I mean, it's, it's a, a big word. I, lo- I love it because I agree Sounds with you fancy, 100%. Yeah. I truly believe if, if everybody could have, have that outlook in their leadership mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. I think you'd eliminate every DEI issue. I think you'd eliminate racism. I think you would eliminate all of the big societal issues that we seem to grapple with and are mm-hmm. divided on yep. because there's this problem that somehow we just don't see each other totally. some, as a human first. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To and generate care. And honestly, the, the DEI initiatives over the last couple of years have really helped a lot to sort of open my own mind about those things. You know, we we all have bias. Every one of us sitting here has bias, whether we want to or not. I got to go through a great program and, and get trained on this program at HCA called Conscious Inclusion. Mm-hmm. And it was such a um, mind boggling experience because, you know, I'm, I'm a Hispanic female. So I automatically think, you know, hey, I'm a minority. Um, but my lived experience is still vastly different from my peers lived experiences. And so understanding and honoring the fact that I'm going to have bias just because it's impossible to process the information that's coming at me. That was sort of a, a, a foundation for me in realizing there's a lot that I think I know that I don't actually know mm. about how to treat people as people, because what, how I want to be treated may be totally different than how you want to be treated. Yeah. Um, what kind of took it next level for me was a book I read earlier this year, um, permission to screw up by Kristen mm-hmm. Hadid. And in her book, she really talks about her failures as a young leader when she was first 
first a leader, um, really phenomenal uh, person to follow, by the way. And, and she and her, her team offer a human leadership program uh, that you can pay what you can to attend. So highly recommend it. She offers it a couple of times a year. But the whole premise of, of her book was giving her employees and her team permission to make mistakes. Uh, and not only that, but as a leader, giving yourself permission to say, I messed up. Like mm-hmm. I didn't do that as well as I could have forgive me, let's move on. You know, if you follow me on LinkedIn or look at any of my posts, I talk a lot about what I learn and I'm very vulnerable about it. And to some people that might be a little bit too vulnerable because we're in executive level roles, but I feel like that's the piece of me, the human piece I'm never going to let go of because it makes me relatable. And I want to be relatable to any employee that I walk up to. I want to be sitting by an employee while they're waiting for the bus, chatting with them about their family. You know, I want to know them as a person. And so to me, that's human centered or human based leadership is really just about treating people as people. And once you have their trust, then they're going to work even harder for you. And I think that part of it is so important. Plus, I want to be treated that way, right? So treating others as you want to be treated. Absolutely. I was going to say that was one of my mantras early on in my leadership journey when Mm -hmm. people, when people would look at me and be like, how do you deal with that? I'm like, well, number one, simple task. When someone comes to you for help, just pretend that that's you asking you for help and what they're presenting you is your issue. Yeah. Or one of your kids. Or one of your kids. Yeah. My kids are going to be in the workforce one day. I want them to be treated that way. I want the next generation of leaders to be leaders who care so much about the people that they will always do right rather than worrying about being right. Yep. I told, go ahead. I say, so why, why aren't we all more vulnerable? Is it like, I'm sure the book might have described this, mm-hmm. but is it like a defense mechanism that we all have? Why? I think it's human nature in some ways to be, um, to kind of put on a front for others. I think also if you think about different generations, it has been encouraged to don't let people see you cry. Like there's no crying in HR, right? Kind of like there's no crying in baseball. No, there absolutely is. There's a lot of crying in HR. We are like the tissue capital of the, of the organization. Um, but I I think part of it is that just historically it has not, we've not been encouraged to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm huge on self-awareness. I'm huge, huge on knowledge of self and, and I can serve you better when I know me better. Um, but I feel like we've not encouraged that as really kind of a front running important thing for us to, to grasp in order to be our best at work, yeah. you know, to, to be able to take care of each other. You can't really do that if you don't really care about each other. Yeah. You know, that, that problem about putting on the front, is just so much more exacerbated today by social media. Yeah. Right. And then if you're spending a lot of time on social media and you're like, man, all these people have such a great life. Mm-hmm. Look what they're doing. Look oh, where yeah. they're at. They look no. so happy. Mm-mm. Well, that's a that's a 15 second video. Right. And it, mm-hmm. But but it's causing problems. It's causing depression. Mm-hmm. It's causing people to have uh, anxiety and issues about their own life because they think that's 100 percent real. Right. And right. These, and that's what's happening. Well, wow. I said this earlier. Comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah. And we do it all oh, the time. Yes. And I think that's Eleanor Roosevelt. I think Teddy Roosevelt gets credit because he was a man. But I think Eleanor Roosevelt actually said it. I wasn't there, but that's what I read. So, <laughs> you <weren't> there? <laughs> no, I wasn't there. <laughs> a little shy of that age group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right, though. Um, yeah. I mean, it, this is like, usually I'm not a, just lost for words, Bo. But it's just, it has me thinking so much right now. Yeah. Just about my own situations and how we treat one another. And I do think it is like a facade that we put on. Yeah. I, I think about other folks that people deem as lucky, right? You know, like, oh, they have all these things. Look at their beautiful house. Look at these awesome cars that they're driving. And they don't ever talk about the sacrifice that went into that in the past to get there or what it might be costing them right now. We talk all the time on this show about work-life harmony. 
We don't like work-life balance. We, we, I, I do not want to make the decision that I need to sacrifice my family for work. Right. And I don't think I should sacrifice, you know, work for the family in that context. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But so many times we are, and that we're not thinking about it that, is it really that great to have that awesome house mm-hmm. in that car or mm-hmm. just be happy with what you have right now? Mm-hmm. A similar totally. quote was like the secret to, how does it go? The secret to not wanting more is to be happy with what you have. Mm-hmm. I probably botched that. Mm-hmm. This sounds yeah. close. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Sounds close. Good job. Yeah. So another aspect you were mentioning is you are helping Williamson Health uh, really transform mm-hmm. your technology stack. Sure. This is something that's coming up all over healthcare right now. I think that healthcare was always lagged behind a little bit, especially from technology. Pandemic happened and it really forced people to make changes and transformation in the organization. Right. And now I feel like we're overcompensating a little bit, like Mm -hmm. we're moving at full speed, which is a great thing. How are you handling this? Is it like drinking from a fire hose? What do you do first? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm actually the first CHRO that Williamson Health has hired. So uh, they made the decision to um, hire an executive level role to better support the organization and modernize their HR department. Hmm. Um, so, you know, coming in, I'm less than 90 days in role. And so I want to fix everything yesterday, right? I want, I want to hit my 90 day review and have like, you know, blown everything out of the water, but that's not realistic. You know, yep. so, you know, really the, the way that I'm trying to approach things is to, to really start with the people, understand where the gaps are in the skill set, and not just skill set, but an opportunity. You know, what opportunities have folks not had from a learning and growth and development perspective? Um, I'm trying to craft and reorganize my HR department in such a way that every person that's currently there has an opportunity. And at that point, if they decide they don't want to be part of my organization, that's up to them. But this organization will better serve Williamson Health and also simultaneously serve the careers of the people that work for me. So, you know, I really think we've got to modernize a lot of pieces of HR, but a big part of it to me is to start with and honor the people and the work that they done. I've got some tenured folks, some that have been there up to 38 years um, and in this HR department and wow. they've seen to so the historical knowledge is just absolutely priceless. And yet, you know, there's so much opportunity to learn some foundational concepts that leaders prior to me maybe didn't take the time or weren't able to take the time to teach. Um, so there's a lot of me being more in the weeds now than I probably will be hopefully in a year, but it's, it's every opportunity is an opportunity to revisit a policy, revisit a process and figure out how can we make things better better here. So technology is a part of that and it's going to be a big part of that, but I'm also not trying to go from the stone age to work day, right? Yep. I'm trying to take us to maybe somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and get us onto some kind of a cloud and, and, you know, work in, in, in an, um, make an opportunity for us to make our processes better and, and fix things for our staff so that even their day to day feels better. Yeah. I like that approach, systematic approach to get you out of where you are mm-hmm. to on your journey got to get to a next the next level the next level yeah and yeah. i'm also having to think about projects that are already in 2024 and 2025 right because i can't do it all right now right as much as i'd like to i can't fix all of the things and we can't fix all of the things immediately yep. great advice and i, I think that's going to resonate there's so many health systems and chros that are in that exact position right now it's something mm-hmm. that keeps popping up right so thank you uh for this next part of the show it's becoming our favorite part maybe one of the favorite parts uh we have the what would you do segment and chatting before you said you wanted a doozy you were like throw a good one at me so bo has prepared one for you (laughs) that i think is uh i don't know gonna be quite a pickle we'll see we'll see so let's let's make sure we put the we put the note out there that 
these stories that we give you or we give our, our guests, so for everybody in the audience, they're stories that have been presented to us that have happened. So they're real. It's not something we just make up to try and throw you for a loop. Like this happens. Mm -hmm. We all know in HR, um, healthcare HR or any HR industry, truly, that things get put on your desk that just don't fit uh, the playbook. They don't fit the handbook. They don't fit the policy. But now that it's been brought to your attention and it's on your desk, you have you you can't not do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. Or take some type of action. So, uh, to set the stage, um, you have a you have a dress code policy, but it doesn't cover doesn't say anything about the requirement to wear undergarments. Um, and as you know, like in the OR, people wear scrubs, right? That's the that's the uniform, if you will. And you have a gentleman that that works in the OR regularly. Uh, and is um, super well endowed. It's blessed. Does does not and does not wear undergarments, right? So, and whether or not the whether or not the um, the scrubs are too tight or not or too small, you don't know yet, right? But you've been presented with the issue, and and now because it's just so visible, and people are complaining. People people in the OR are complaining, right? But he's dressed. Not violating a policy, right? And it's now on your desk. The complaint is on your desk. What exactly what is see. on my desk? <laughs> I feel like that's yeah, a fair yeah. question. Hold on a second. Dang, you're super good at this <laughs> and already. And how did they get into my office? <laughs> the complaint, yeah. The complaint so. <laughs> that they don't like seeing what they're seeing. Yeah, sure. From multiple employees that work in the OR with this person. Sure. That they, 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 just, can't, they just can't do it so anymore. So my first question is, have either of you guys ever worn scrubs? Oh, yeah. Because I don't know that undergarments really were going to help with this issue, frankly. I don't know that it, that's really that's really a problem solver right there. Fair point. Right? So, you know, I think it's funny. I actually had to update the dress code policy pretty shortly after coming into the organization. Um, and it's interesting what things become part of the dress code policy because of situations exactly like this. And then you think, oh, I wish I knew the story behind how that line got in there, right? You know, I think we, we have sort of a blanket area of our policy that talks about, um, you know, they're really, you have to be dressed professionally at all times and nothing that you wear or represent, you know, should in any way offend other people, something, you know, along those lines, right? Something kind of blanket. You know, I think this comes down to a conversation between that leader and the employee. It's interesting that a lot of these things get pitched to HR. This is not an HR issue. It's really not. I mean, it, does it become an HR issue? It becomes a harassment issue? Sure. But I, I like to empower leaders to handle some of their own BS like this, because this is the kind of thing where sit down with the employee, like, hey, dude, like, are you wearing, you know, undergarments or not? You know, it might be something to consider. Those might not help again because scrubs aren't that thick and neither are undergarments. So I still think, you know, ultimately, I'd love to know what that person actually did in this particular situation. Was, this is a Grey's Anatomy situation, isn't it? No, I'm just not. kidding. <laughs> That's what I would name this investigation. <laughs> um, I also name investigations in case you're wondering. Wow. Um, but no, I, I think I think the key thing is that really think everything like this comes down to a conversation. We really overcomplicate it with a, oh, my gosh, something like this has never happened before have a conversation with someone like what, what's what's going on FYI this has been brought forward you may not even realize it so you know what, what can we do to help you with this situation yeah I think that's good I answer. like it I think that would work 
And then hopefully maybe the person can even offer their own solutions. Exactly. Right? I mean, a lot of times people are, it's, it's an awareness thing and awareness brings choice. You know, Cy Wakeman says that. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. no, you know, drama researcher and I love it. But, you know, I think we are, we get in our own way and like people freak out about things sometimes from an HR perspective that to me are really not that big of a deal. It's hold on. Let's boil this back. This is a person. So go back to human based leadership, right? This is a person and this is a person's particular issue. They may not even be super aware of. So bring it to their attention. And it doesn't always have to be HR that does that. Wow. 100%. Clara, you are a true professional. You weren't even phased by the, uh, you know. I've worked in HR for 24 years. It was going to take a lot for you to get me. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, you need to share some other stories. We need to us. write a yeah. book. Yeah. Get, get <laughs> some book. content for our future episodes. We can have, like, people can say, oh, did that did that come from Clara? And like, <laughs> right? Oh. Yeah. But I think it's a great development point, though, right? You don't tell the story and you don't ask the question, what would you do just to, just to make it intriguing and you sure. know, tantalizing or whatever. But the, the fact that what you just said, HR and HR, truly mature HR professional, you're like the cool head in the room, mm-hmm. yes. right? Regardless of We've what's seen being presented, so much, presented it's hard to, to you. rattle us. <laughs> right. and you can't get excited about everything. Right. You just can't. I you mean, can't no just pun intended, fly but you off, just can't. <laughs> fly off the handle. Oh, this has been good. <laughs> Clara, any words of wisdom before before we part for all the listeners? Gosh, you know what? I would just say make sure you're taking care of yourself, too. You know, yeah. in, in HR, we are usually the ones taking care of everyone else. Really important to put your oxygen mask on as well and to take care of yourself. If you don't have peers you can talk to um, outside of your organization um, or through Ashara or other uh, you know, organizations like this, you need to find some. Um, you know, I heard I, you know that whole thought process of eagles fly alone. I don't believe in that. You know, I do consider yeah. myself an eagle, but I need buddies. Maybe I'm more like a hawk. I don't know. But I think it's important for us to have people to support us um, as much as we support other people. So we tend to take, we tend to be the last one standing. And so it's really important to just take that time for yourself and make sure you have you know friends in your corner. Excellent. Well said. Well said. Well, Clara, thank you so much. Uh, please come back and join us. You're unfazed. I think we might have some future questions for you as well <laughs> that we'll be hitting you up on. Sounds good. Uh, but great meeting you. We'll, we'll enjoy some more time with you here in Savannah and uh, Astro Nation. That's a wrap. Still listening? Save your seat for the upcoming June 4th ASHRA webinar with RX Benefits and Infirmary Health today. Questions for the speakers? Send them ahead of time to ashra.edu at ashra.org.